As you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. place to see that. But many people's knowledge of Christ is based really upon four things. And here's the four things. It's based on opinions, interpretations, preferences, and pain. And unfortunately for most of us, it's others' opinions, others' interpretations, others' preferences, and others' pain. What do I mean by that? We listen so many times to others. It's amazing. Luke will come home, one of our kids will come home from school, and they'll like tell us something, and we'll be like, where did you hear that from? Any parents know what I'm talking about? can be so far off the wall, but they believe it is true. Why? Because Johnny at school told them, or Susie at school told them, that's how it happened, and that's what it is. So guess what? They're going to believe that. It's amazing how we base our whole lives off other people's opinions, which many times can be very wrong. And we have to correct our kids many times and say, no, that's not quite how it is. Let's, Let's tell you the truth about that. But it's amazing an opinion can swing your life, an interpretation the same way. How I see things, how I perceive things. We can look at the same thing, two people, and we can see something completely different. The interpretations, the preferences, what we like and what we don't like. A lot of people today have tried to label Christ or put Christ in their box because if they like this and don't like that, well, the gospel says I can't have that and I can't have... So I don't like that, so I'm just going to make my own gospel. I'm just going to do it my own way, my preferred way, my preference of what suits my lifestyle, what suits my desires and my life. And then there's pain. A lot of people have a great opinion of Christ based on the pain. And when I say great, I don't necessarily mean a good, but it's a very powerful thought in their lives because they see suffering, maybe in their own life, losing a family member, going through a divorce, having to face bankruptcy. And they look and say, but hold on, God, I I trusted you and gave my life. Why the pain? Why the discomfort? A lot of people are turned off to church by other people who have been hurt by church and hurt by other people. And we're not perfect as church members, but we're trying. Come on, we're here in the process together. But my sad reality and thought for every one of us is so many of us look to the opinions, the interpretations, the preferences, and the pain instead of going to the truth of God's Word. Because God's Word completely tells us who Christ is and what He desires to be in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave my eternity in the hands of someone else. When I have the opportunity myself to make that decision, because when I stand before God, I'm not going to say, well, Joe said, God said, but who do you say that I am? Because every one of us has to give an account. And how foolish would it be when we have the information right in front of us not to check it out and to look at it for ourselves? Because I'm telling you, no one and nothing is worse missing the truth that we can see from God's Word. 
So let's lead, read history today. Let's read part of the Easter story. It comes from Matthew 27, 32, beginning. It says, Now as they came out, talking about them bringing Jesus out of the city, about to be crucified, they had to carry their own cross. But Jesus, due to the beating and the suffering that he had already gone through, even before the cross, was so weak at this moment that he had fallen under the weight of his cross. So they grabbed Simon of Cyrene, a man, a bystander, out of the crowd, and they made him carry the cross of Jesus Christ. And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, verse 33, that is to say the place of the skull, they gave Jesus some sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and they divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments amongst them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Pretty phenomenal to think 600 plus years earlier, the prophet Isaiah had prophesied this. 600 years earlier of what they would do with the very clothing off of his body. Nothing by chance, but by divine order, by God, by God. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And then they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. The religious leaders didn't like that. They said, Pilate, change it. It should be he claims to be. And Pilate said, no, what I have written, I have written. This is the king of the Jews. This is the king of the Jews. Then the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. That's why we see the crosses. We see the three crosses. Christ in the center with the two criminals on each side. And all those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads. In other words, they shouted abuse at Jesus. Who do you think you are? I see how you are. Yeah, what's up with you now? Huh? You ain't so big and bad now, are you? And they're shaking their heads in disgust, mocking Jesus. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, You're the one who said you would destroy the temple and build it in three days. They didn't realize they were already seeing this. Because Jesus wasn't talking about a physical temple. He was talking about his body being the temple of God. That he would be crucified and then on the third day that he would rebuild. He would rise from the dead. You said you could save yourself. If you are, here's the question. If you really are the Son of God, I'll tell you what you can do. Just come down from that cross. Come on. If you really are, come on. If you are what you claim to be, prove it right now to each and every one of us. And all you have to do is come off the cross. Likewise, verse 41, the chief priests, they also came and they were mocking with the other scribes and the other elders. And they said, look at him. He could save other people. You see, by their confession, they were really confessing the miracles that he was able to do. They couldn't deny the fact that he took five loaves and two fishes and fed a multitude of people. They couldn't deny the fact that he spoke to that which was dead and it came to life. They could not deny the fact that someone with a withered hand stretched it forward and Jesus said, be healed, and it was healed. They couldn't deny the fact that someone that was fumbling around and couldn't see and Jesus bent down in the ground and made some mud and wiped it on his eyes and said, go and wash your eyes. And when he opened them, he could see. They ridiculed him and attacked him for it, but they could not deny it. They could not deny it. And that's why they crucified him. They thought, we've got to get rid of this man. It's the only way and only thing that we can do. 
And they said, you can save others, but what about saving yourself? How good are you at doing that? I want you to know something right now. He could have saved himself. He could have so easily come off the cross. He could have called thousands of angels from heaven that could have come down victoriously and could have won the day. But the reason he didn't was because he was on a mission. He wasn't there on the cross for himself. He was on the cross to save mankind, to redeem you and I, to take our place. I was guilty. He is innocent. He chose to take my place. And here it is again. They said at the end of verse 42, if you are the king of Israel, why don't you come down from the cross and we will believe you. We will believe in you. Jesus, if you really are who you say you are, if you are the one, come down, save yourself, and we will believe you. No, they wouldn't. (laughs) If Jesus would have come down from the cross, they still wouldn't have believed him. They would have found another reason. No, you didn't come down off the cross the right way. Because you did it wrong. There's always a skeptic out there that no matter what will happen, they're always going to dispute it and they're not going to believe it. But even if Jesus would have come down from the cross right there and then and they would have believed it, listen to me, it would have been no good for you and I today. Because he had to die to pay the sin debt, the penalty for your and my sins. Verse 43 and 44. He trusted in God, they said. Where is God to deliver him now? Will God even have him? Come on, they're now going after his family. You know when they mess with you, that's one thing. But they're now going after, it's like your mum is stupid. You know, they're coming after Jesus and say, so where's your dad? He don't even care about you. Because if he did, he would do something about what's happening right now. Because you said you're the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Who really are you? Prove it to us. Prove it to us. Since the beginning of time, it's always been Satan's goal, mission, to make mankind question God. In the garden, in perfection, when everything was beautiful and magnificent, all man knew was that which was good. Satan shows up and says, I tell you what, God's holding back on you because you need to know what's good and evil. Think about what Satan offered man that day. He didn't offer him good because he already had all good through God. The only thing he offered man was evil. And he tricked man into believing that by what? Questioning God. Did God really say? Look at even the life of Christ. How many times they questioned, why, why them, Jesus? Why have you come for them as they looked as he hung around with those who weren't the greatest? There was a woman that came off the streets and she fell at the feet of Jesus and she washed his feet with her hair, or, uh, with her tears and dried his feet with her hair. The religious leaders looked at them and said, if he is who he says he is, he wouldn't let a woman of the streets touch him like that. Does he not know what manner of woman she was. They questioned him. They questioned what he did. They said, oh, you're not doing it by God. You're casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. They questioned who he is. You're a fake. You're a phony. We've got to get rid of you. Here's what I want to tell you today. Are you ready? It's okay to have questions about God. 
I said, it's okay to have questions about God. But here's the problem. When we refuse to believe the answer. When we refuse to accept the answer when it's presented to us. That's when the question becomes a problem. On Friday, we began to look at his story. We talked about the fact that Christ was born of a virgin. The Christmas story. We talked about Christ became a man who really is key for us because he can feel like us and know like us, facing all the struggles but yet without sin. And then we talked about he is the Savior. He didn't become a Savior. He is the Savior. And he willingly laid down his life and said, not my will, but yours be done. And John 1 verse 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the word Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us, verse 14 says. Jesus became a man. He left heaven's splendor and majesty as he was sent on assignment by God. John 3.16 tells us this, For God so loved the world that he sent his what? His only begotten son. That's the best that God could give. God gave his best. Listen to me. God gave his best knowing the Easter story. Can I just parallel that to your life? It's like you having a young child that's just behind the wheel and driving. God help us. Molly's right there right now. But, but it's just like us knowing beforehand that if we let Molly drive in the car today, she's going to have a near fatal accident. What would we do as a loving parent? You're not going in the car because I already know what's going to happen. God already knew that his son would have to die. But yet, but yet, the love he had for the world, loving you and I, and we weren't very lovable, I just want you to know that. But God loved us so much that beforehand, knowing the prices some would have to pay, he willingly gave his son for us. For what reason? Because whosoever believes in him shall have whatever lasting life. He willingly did it for that reason. And that's why later Jesus says these words in John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Come on, I'm not a way, I'm the way. He boldly proclaimed that. Some people look at that and say, man, that's pretty narrow-minded, don't you think? It's pretty exclusive. I mean, you're saying he's the only way to the Father? Yes. Don't look at me. I mean, he said it, not me. But I want to say this. I'd much rather someone be straight with me and tell me the truth instead of beat around the bush and say, well, you know, there's kind of other ways. No, there's not. There's only one way to heaven. And it's through Jesus. And Jesus said this when Thomas was questioning him because Jesus was talking about heaven. And Thomas said, how do we know about heaven? How do we know where to go? I mean, Jesus, who really are you? And Jesus said, let me tell you, I'm the way that you need. I'm the life that you need. Come on, I'm the power that you need. I'm the victory that you need. I'm the truth. Believe in me. And Satan wants us to question that. It amazes me that even John, John the Baptist, remember him, the one that was sent ahead of Jesus to pave the way. Even John the Baptist questioned after even what? The baptism and the heavens were opened and a dove came down and a voice from heaven. He witnessed all that, but yet still he questions from prison. Are you really the one. Look what it says in Matthew 11, beginning in verse 2. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. And he said to him, Jesus, they said to Jesus by words of John, are you the coming one? 
Jesus, are you for real? Are you the real deal? Are you that which God promised us? Or do we look for another? Notice what he is asking. And I love the answer that Jesus gives to them. The answer that I'm going to give to you today. And Jesus answered and said unto them. He didn't say, you better believe it. Look at me. I'm cool. I'm it. No, Jesus said, here's what you go and tell them. Go and tell them the things which you have seen and heard. Look around you right now, Jesus said. Look what's taking place all around you right now. Why? Because the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the lepers are being cleansed, the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised up. Come on. The poor are having the gospel preached to them. You see, because the poor weren't allowed in the temple. The gospel is being preached. Look around you. And see, and blessed is he, verse 6 says, who is not offended because of me. New Living Translation says it this way. And you go and tell John, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. What is he saying there? God blesses those that no matter what, they will still trust in me. Come on, refuse to question, yet still trust. I don't know about you, but I can just speak of our experiences. Kelly and I have had many experiences over the last couple of years, it seems, where we could have so easily questioned God. Come on, we could have questioned God because we see things and we're a part of things. And we're like, hold on a second, God, we're leading the church. We're giving our lives to you. Why, God, would you face this? Come on, we're six kids. We have six kids. How many knows that's a lot of sermon material right there? A lot of sermon material. But some of the things that we're still in and what we're going through right now, it's too fresh to testify of right now, but we're going to have a testimony of it one day. But you notice what Jesus is saying to John and every one of us, because life is real. I just want you to know that. Life is real. You know that. You live it too. It's tough. And, and some days you wake up and you're not feeling so good and everything's against you. And you're kind of, but God, I'm a Christian. I'm giving, why, 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 why? It's almost like Jesus is saying to John, are you ready? John, I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm proud of what you do. Don't give up. Don't give up. You see, here's a thought for you today. Are you ready? If you're taking notes in church, write this down. If you're not, write this down. Are you ready? It says, in the same way I can choose to question is the same way I can choose to believe. In fact, it takes more faith to doubt God than it does to believe God. And in the same way I question, I can still believe. And I can choose to believe. It's just belief and my faith in another place that now I trust in Him over everything else. So what did Jesus say? Go and tell John my story. What's happened as a result of my life? For a few moments today, that's what I want to do. I mentioned it quickly earlier, His birth. His birth wasn't royal. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. But here's someone who was equal with God, the Bible says, but yet took on no reputation and became a man like you and I. Think about the announcement to the world, the Savior has been born. Should have been headline newspapers. Fox News, CNN, everyone should have been invited. Everyone should have been there. Should have been in the palace where all the scribes could have written. It should have been big and bold. But you know where the announcement happened? On a hillside to a bunch of shepherds. And we can so overly easily look over that and say, oh, that was just shepherds because that's the Christmas story. Think about that. Shepherds were outcasts. Shepherds was the lowest position almost that you could do that day. Wasn't good on your resume to say you were a shepherd. Wasn't good for picking up a woman or something like that either because you were way in the wilderness. It wasn't a good job and a good thing to be doing. 
But notice where Jesus first came to make his announcement. He came to those who were nobody. And you better be glad of that today because you know where that begins? The statement of the life of Christ that I have come for the whosoever. Jesus doesn't start at the top and work down. Jesus started at the bottom and he is still working up for you and I. And that's why today, I want to give you a few points today. You ready? His story is all-inclusive. What we see from the story in the life of Christ is his story is inclusive. What does that mean? He's a friend of sinners. And again, we're going to talk about that next week as we love like Jesus. But Romans 10 and verse 13 from the New Living Translation says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What, me? Yes, everyone. Everyone has the same opportunity. He came for everyone to have the same opportunity. Even though it's an exclusive way, you've got to do it through Him. I want you to know He made the way available to everyone. No matter what we've done or where we're at, His way is still the right way. Jesus touched and reached out to those that didn't even like Him. Man of that day chose to reject Him, but God never chose to reject them back. His inclusive nature got him in trouble many times with the religious leaders. One event in Mark chapter 2, verse 16, and when the scribes and the Pharisees, that's the religious leaders, when they saw him eating with the tax collectors and the sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he, come on, if he is really who he says he is, how come that he would eat and drink with the scum of the earth? How come he would go to those who... He could come to our house because we're worthy of him. But why would he go to the lowest of the low? And when Jesus heard, he said to them, here's the reason why I'm here, Jesus said, because it's not the well that need a doctor. It's those who are sick. Come on, I didn't come to call the righteous and their righteousness wasn't very righteous anyway. But Jesus said, I came to call the sinner to repentance. The gospel of Christ, Jesus is all inclusive. No matter who, where, what, God says, I love you with an everlasting love. At the risk of being misunderstood. And he was. He still desires to reach out. To everyone. Notice this statement no one is ever left out with Christ. But sadly, many choose not to come in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, he says. He's knocking on everyone's heart doors, but very few maybe will open the door and let him in or come into his fullness and to his life. What else do we know about his story? His story shows such great compassion. It always shows his compassion and the love that he has for other people. Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went out and he saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them. And the Bible says, and he healed their sick. Jesus always looked for a need. He always said, I can meet that need. He was always on hand to meet that need. And that has never changed. Jesus one day shows up at a funeral. He's walking past. There's a funeral procession. He just goes up to the casket and he touches the dead man on the casket and just kind of walks off. And all of a sudden, the man kind of jumps up. Come on, Jesus had such love and compassion that he turned a funeral into a family reunion. That's the God that we serve. We see one day that Jesus is having revival. I mean, thousands of people are watching him. He's in a boat. He's preaching. Wow, this could never be better. And Jesus says, come on, let's pack up and let's go to the other side. 
He left masses to go after a crazy maniac who could not be controlled, but would cut himself and scream, and they tried to chain him up like a dog, but he would break the chains, cutting his body, was unable to live in society crazy, but Jesus left the masses and went after the one. That's the compassion that he had. That man ran at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. And the people of the city, the Bible says, came, and they were amazed to see the one who was crazy, now seated, clothed, and in his right mind. That's what Jesus wants to do for every one of us. That's the compassion. That's the love that he has. And listen to me. He didn't even come as a healer. He didn't even come to be the healer. He came to be the Savior. But that's just the byproduct of who he is, that he has such love and his love and compassion changed all those around. Oh, I love this about Jesus. Are you ready? His story shows the authority that he has. Come on. It shows his authority. It shows his power. The mental picture many of us have of Jesus is the long flowing hair with a little lamb over his shoulders. And oh, no, he, he looks so kind and he's so gentle. And he is so kind and gentle. But let me tell you something. He's a warrior too. He's all powerful. He's omnipotent. He is great and mighty. Jesus, as I said earlier, but again, he has the authority over death. One day, his friend dies. They come up to him and say, Lazarus, your buddy's He's about to die, Jesus. But we know if you can come, you can heal him. He waits two more days. They're so confused about it. And he says to his disciples, I'm now going to wake him up. And his disciples said to him, John eleven twelve. his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. And Jesus spoke of his death because Jesus was saying he's sleeping, but he's really dead. What was Jesus saying? It's not the end, even with death, because I am the life. I am the life. I am the power of life. And Jesus says these words, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Sometimes we have to go through circumstances and situations in our life because we are too stubborn and pig-headed. Come on, I'm talking to you right now to believe. We look and say, well, why did I have to go through that? You didn't have to if you would have just paid attention earlier, but you don't want to see it. You want to go your way and you want to do life your way. But I'm so glad that Jesus said, even for those of you who are in that state. I'm glad for your sake because I'm still coming to your hands. I'm still able to meet your need and I'm still able to come. And what did Jesus say? I'm going to do something that they will believe. God wants to do something in the hearts and lives of every one of us that will believe. Come on, see the authority he has of death. He shows up. You see his compassion again. John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. Two words. Jesus wept. That one used to win me a lot of prizes at Sunday school. Share your favorite memory verse, John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. That was a good one. Good one to pull out. Memorize scripture. Good one. Two words. Got it. Bam. Jesus had compassion. But then you know what? Jesus says, roll the stone away. Does that sound familiar? Roll the stone away. Come on. Jesus said, roll the stone away. And he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And I'm telling you, it was a good job he shouted, Lazarus, come forth. 
Because if he had shouted, just come forth, that would have been the real walking dead. You know what I'm talking about? It would have been not the TV show. It would have been the real deal. Because the graves would have opened up and every man and woman who was in there would have come alive. Why? Because he had such authority and such power that when he spoke, even death could not hold him back. Lazarus! Come forth. Death is no match for his authority. His story is also shows the forgiveness. The forgiveness that he has for each and every one of us. The grace and the mercy that he is. Next slide, please, for our lives. The lady caught in the act of adultery. <laughs> Thrown at the feet of Jesus to judge her. Religious leaders looking on saying, now what are you going to do, Jesus? I love what Jesus does. Jesus bends down and begins to write in the sand. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote in the sand, but maybe he wrote something like that. Who was that you were with last night? (laughs) Jesus says, whoever is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Where's everyone gone? Where's everyone gone? One by one they left and only that lady stood beside Jesus. Jesus said, where's your accusers? She said, there's none save you. But look at these words. He says in John 8 verse 11, Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Jesus doesn't excuse her sin. He forgives her sin. A lot of people think, well, God's such a God of love. He accepts everyone. Oh, he accepts the person, but he doesn't accept the sin. He cannot excuse the sin of mankind because sin is that which separates us from God. He came to be that forgiveness that we could cry out to him, but we have to come to him and we have to ask him just like that lady because she looked at him knowing that he was the only person standing between death and life for her because the crime that she committed was worthy of death. And people can look and say, well, how could he forgive her? Can I tell you why? Because moments later, just a few days later, he was going to die in her place. In the same way he died for every one of us. He doesn't excuse her sin. He forgives her sin. He forgives her sin. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, Jesus, I'm not perfect and I don't have it together. I'm so thankful for scriptures like this. He is faithful and he is just. Man, his story is faith. His story is just. Come on, he's faithful and just to forgive us from our sins, plural, anything and everything that we've done, and to cleanse us from all the unrighteous acts and thoughts and things that we have done. He is faithful if what? We confess, we ask, we give it to him. I love the story of the lady at the well too. Jesus is sitting there and he asks her, can you give me a drink? Jesus exposes the sin of her life. He shouldn't have even really talked to her. Samaritans, Jews, wasn't a good thing. Could say and preach so long on this. I'm so glad that his story bridges the gap of racism. 
Because there's no race in God, there's just grace in God. By grace are you saved. It's not by the color of your skin because we all bleed the same way. Come on, he wasn't about race, he was about mankind. In God's eyes, there's only two types of people, those who are saved and those who are unsaved. And he loves them all equally. Loves them equally. But he exposes her sin in her life. But the whole time, he's offering her living water. Never condemns her. The lady runs away. And look what she says in John 4, verse 29. She returns home and says, come see a man who told me everything I have done. Here's that question, who really is he? Could this be, could this be the Christ? Could this be the Christ? Maybe this is really the one, she said. I've heard of him. But now she's encountered something that has left her changed. Why? Because he didn't condemn her that day. He forgave her and gave her another chance. And as a result of her life being changed, she brought so many other people. And the Bible says that many of them believed in God also. I know I've got to end this. And I've only scratched the surface of really who Jesus is. Come on, he's my savior. Come on, he's my friend. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. When I don't know what to do, I can come to Jesus. Jesus has got my back every time. Come on, he is love that I cannot even begin to imagine. That everlasting love. Come on, he's God of another chance. Thank God he's not God of a second chance. Blew that one a long time ago. He's God of another chance, another day, another opportunity. He's God of hope. He's God of freedom. Maybe you're bound today. I want you to know his story can be your freedom today. He's a God of deliverance. No matter what, where, who, how, God is able to still set you free. You see, what we see of Scripture is this, that when people came in contact with Jesus, they left one of three ways. The three ways that they left was this. They left mad, sad, or they left glad. Some left mad because, man, I don't know who you are. They couldn't receive him, so they were like mad. Jesus told them what they needed to do. I'm not going to do it. They left mad. Some people left sad. The religious leader, they'll get it out in a minute. He left sad for what reason? The Bible, Jesus said, go and sell everything you have. And he was sad because he had a lot of money. And he was sad. But then there's the third person and they left glad. Come on, they left glad. I know which one I want to be. I don't want to leave here mad today. I don't want to leave here sad when I can leave here glad today. I can leave here knowing that my sins are forgiven. I can leave here knowing that Jesus is with me. Come on, when the storms happen and the struggles come, he's right there with me so I can smile at the storms of life because I'm not going down. Come on, I'm going to make it to the other side. Because Jesus is with me. Listen to me today. If you don't believe me, how many people in here have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ? Stand up right now. Stand up, stand up, stand up all over this place. Stand up right now. Stand up. Come on, if you don't believe me, why not believe them? Come on, why not believe them? Because we can look around and say, oh, maybe one or two. But look around you right now. Look around you. Look around you right now. Look around you right now. Can I have everyone just to stand with me right now? Everyone just stand with me. Believe them. So Jesus, who really are you? I want you to know today he wants to be your friend. 
He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord, your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. History proves that He's real. It's documented. He's real. The prophecies spoken of Him, 200 plus prophecies spoken, every one of them fulfilled by His life and death. No way humanly possible that one man, except being the man, the Son of God, could ever fulfill all those things. But listen, His story today makes way for a new story. Because His story wants to be your story. Your story. Your story. Just like that man, they said, hold on, Jesus is a fake and a phony because He healed you on a Sabbath. He's a friend of sinners. And that man said, I don't know who Jesus is and I don't really know much about Him, but all I know is this. Can I tell you my story? Once I was blind, but now I see. Jesus did something in my life. Jesus did something to change my life. Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person, can become a new person. The old life is gone. And guess what? A new life has begun. A new life has begun. A new story can begin today. Your new story. You can trust in Him that He is everything that He says He is. And even if you haven't got it figured all out, join the club because I still haven't figured Him all out because His ways are above mine. He's greater than everything. And I'm glad I haven't figured Him out because if I figured Him all out, then He's not God. There's so much more that we have available in Him. Don't listen to others' opinions. Don't listen to others' interpretations, their preferences, their pain. What you need to hear is what we've preached to you today, the truth. John sent his disciples and said, how do I know you're the one? Jesus said, go and tell them what has been witnessed and seen. And that's what we've told you today. Would you believe? Would you believe? Would you bow your heads all over this place right now? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.